Hello, and welcome to another Unsponsored Entrepreneur Podcast. We offer unfunded news about startups and entrepreneurs. I'm Jen Barnett. And I'm Matt Hoddle. We work together at Red Hawk Entrepreneur Development Company. In today's podcast, we are going to talk about attracting and retaining top tech talent, especially here in Birmingham, Alabama. It's an important topic, and I feel like it's a recurring theme that keeps coming up, but I think basically this conversation started from a, a BBJ article, right? That's right. That publisher or editor Ty West wrote about a few presumably young leaders who were leaving Birmingham. Uh, the article mentions a list of them, although the list is missing. So it only mentions Jennifer Shellam, who of course is the president of Tech Birmingham. She launched and runs Sloss Tech, and we are losing her soon to Chattanooga, which is a big yeah, loss. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a big loss, and we're going to hate to see her go. She's been a, a great uh, force for good in our community, startup community, entrepreneur community, and, and she's done an amazing job at Tech Birmingham, as well as some other things, which I think she doesn't get as much credit for as she deserves. Um, but yeah, I was I was taken a little aback by that article where you know the, Ty says that here's this long list of people and even goes so far as to say like where those people were coming from like the education system, Innovation Depot, the Civil Rights um, Foundation, and but then doesn't list who those people are. So right. presumably we I, I don't know who he's talking about um, exactly that is, but the the very first reaction I had to that was that may be. Uh, wrong assumption right which is we're losing leaders and somehow that's just immediately a bad thing right because you know there are only so many leadership positions in birmingham they have to be filled by somebody and so to look at it as a loss for those individuals i think is maybe potentially short-sighted right because who else is going to step into those leadership roles who's gonna have an opportunity to become the new next emerging leader, and could they be as good or even better than the people that they're replacing? I don't know, but I don't like the idea that somebody leaves and that, that creates a deficit by default. Now, if you wanna make the argument that you should have more leadership positions and more opportunities to get people out there and, and involved, then I think that's a separate conversation and one that I think is worth having. But um, yeah, I, I, it struck me a little bit off just from the standpoint of that, that that's a net net loss without having really any kind of consideration to what comes next. I think that's reasonable. I mean, it's anecdotal at best, but I think we can all agree that there's brain drain in Birmingham, especially when it comes to uh, top kids leaving high school, going off to college and never coming back. And we also know that the population in Birmingham is still shrinking sure. somewhat. Well, and, and let's be honest, it's not the easiest place to do business, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to get a business license. If you, I mean, God help you if you're, if you're opening anything that requires Jefferson County's you know, health board review, you're, you're in trouble, right? Because yeah. it just takes forever. So there are definitely things that we can do from, a, from an access standpoint as well. So, I mean, there's certainly work to be done. On the good side, there's also almost no regulation of things like internet businesses because there isn't anyone. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> understands them. That's right. So you could probably run like the world's largest. What's like that guy at the Home Depot who regulates Venezuela's currency? Uh, there's a guy who, an associate at Home Depot in Pelham, and he regulates all of Venezuela's currency. Um, 
I'm not going to go. What? Into, I'm not going to go into the whole story. I feel like right that's now. like another podcast. Yeah, that okay. is definitely. But um, I, I guarantee you, no one in Pelham or Jefferson County or the state knows that he has that kind of control. <laughs> I'm a little frightened now. Like, I think he works in flooring. So if you want to go, jeez, ask him about I don't, it. I don't want to know. Um, but yeah, so there's good and, and bad sides. And I think in any regulated environment, um, when you're young in a startup, it's kind of like what we talked about in the rogue district of Avondale. You have to find the loopholes where um, you can make opportunities for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's interesting to me, too, from the standpoint of thinking about the evolution of, you know, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, and we certainly talked about this, you know, offline as well. But this idea that, you you know, I mean, uh, maybe it's cliche, but you, you break a few eggs to make an omelet, right? So two steps forward, one step back, pick your cliche or whatever you want. But I do think that this is one of those instances where, you know, what happens next will dictate what the sum total loss ends up being in the final kind of calculus, right? So in this example, because it doesn't name anyone and it doesn't apply any kinds of data or metrics to it, it's really hard for me to make an assumption about what's really happening. But I do think that if you look at Birmingham as a startup, then the people who are leaving are a lot of times the pioneers of the things that they did. They created these leadership roles for themselves in a lot of cases, at least in Shalom's case, and I'm sure we can name others. They are leadership positions that they created themselves, and just like any founder, uh, they need to get out before it becomes a founder's trap. They need to go somewhere else where they can start a new project or a new position. And the people who are going to come into those roles will be the people who take it to the next level. They're the managerial uh, people who will maintain the role that that person created. So it's not unusual for pioneers in any field to move on to other things. Also, as the millennial age group comes into that phase of their life where they can be managers and executives and leaders themselves i mean you know i can speak for myself and i can speak for shellum we are not really the young leaders <laughs> that are mentioned in the article neither commentator the... on this podcast can be considered young anymore <laughs> that's right both um, in that same boat that's right so we may be young ish we're young compared to the boards of some of the companies that we could name but yeah, really. uh, we would be spring chickens but in reality we're not there's a huge massive group of millennials out there who are in their mid-30s now, they're poised to take over the reins of any of these organizations and create their own new organizations and take us to the next level. We can't be a bootstrapped startup forever. Right. Yeah, so to be interesting, so as you have this evolution of these, you know, pioneers and, and founders of movements, organizations, um, you know, uh, activism, whatever you want to, whatever the case may be, the question I have for those organizations is what was their planning, right? How were they developing the talent behind those people? So, you know, the one thing that came out of that article was it was like Birmingham's responsibility. And to be honest, it's really that organization's responsibility, right? So they should have some sort of succession plan, bench strength, bench um, development, things like that, where it's always who the next person is. And I'll give you an example. Like, I was on the junior board for the zoo for a number of years. Way and they, past 
Way past your prime. Way past the age <laughs> limit. Right, I was Methuselah on that uh, junior board. And, uh, <laughs> and so one of the things that was interesting about it and, and I appreciated about it was that they always had a president elect selected the year before. And a president would only serve for a year, but the president elect was right behind them as the, either the VP or some other board position. And so they were almost he, learning on the job before it was their time. And what you saw was a very seamless transition because every year changing over your president of your board, that's a lot of turnover. But because they ran that in the way that they did, it worked really, really well. So I think some of this is on the organizations to be thinking forward a little bit, um, which is I think part of our opportunity in, in the community in general, which is we've only now started to do some kind of short to maybe medium term planning. But to me, the goal for some of these organizations is to start thinking longer term. Right. Well, you make a really good point. We've talked about the bar being really low here to be a leader. And I have been the uh, fortuitous benefactor of that trend before, which is you do one thing and everyone is so happy that someone has stepped in that you suddenly get covered up with accolades and responsibilities and more airtime than you can handle. And, and it happens really fast. But if you do put all your eggs in one person's basket, then when they leave, it does seem like a great loss. But if we spread that out a little bit more and created that pipeline, then there would always be new talent to fill those shoes and we'd be much more likely to retain those people. So there aren't five, it may seem this way, but there aren't five people in the tech scene in Birmingham. There are thousands of people in the tech scene in Birmingham. It's just that five people tend to get most of the press. And this is true of a lot of industries in Birmingham. Uh, people talk about it in the food scene and other things all the time where the same restaurants, the same chefs, the same artisans get the attention all the time. But if we spread it out a little bit more and dug a little deeper to see what else was out there, we would have a much wider diversity of people being featured. Well, that's interesting too, because I mean, that's one of the things that I, I read an interesting article not long ago, and it was from one of the founders of Techstars, and he was being asked, you know, what does it take to build a healthy entrepreneur startup community? And, you know, from a guy who's seen it all over the world, um, his, his answer was really simple, and it really resonated with me, which was one is be incredibly inclusive. So figure out ways that anybody who wants to participate in a positive way at any level for any length of time, find a way to incorporate them, find a way to get them involved, whether it's for five minutes or 50 years, yeah. uh, get them involved and figure out a way of doing that. Get rid of the you know, economic, social barriers, um, the, the, any of those things that are just, that are frankly speaking, falsely put in the way, um, not to be you know, um, mean about it or not to be, you know, elitist about it. They just happen, but really be aware of them. That was the first thing. And then the second thing was take a long range view. So stop looking at what do we want to do next year and stop looking at what do we want to do in the next five years. He was, he was positing, you need to ask yourself, where do we want to be in 20 years? Because something that's a year long could change in three months and then it's no longer relevant and or worthwhile. But if you have something that's 20 years and you stumble in the first year, well, guess what? You have 19 years to make up for that mistake and then 18 years and 17 years and 16 years. But the point is that longer view allows you to accomplish more and have less 
road or less uh, uh, speed bumps in the road that are that are going to trip you up permanently. Plus, you get better at it as you go along, and tipping point happens, snowball effect happens, things get bigger and bigger. Um, I have a friend who just posted a six thousandth blog post. And Over what period of time? As a long time, you know, he's really good at it, 10 years or something. Still but he didn't start with a plan to write 6,000 blog posts. Right. He started with one. And over time, as he stayed consistent and kept doing it, now, of course, he has a huge social media conference and so on. Um, so you're talking about retaining specifically when you're talking about inclusion and long range planning. And you talk a lot about people reinvesting also, which I think is super important. There's a tendency for people to come to the city, get a, you know, do a cash grab, get as much money as they can out of the city, and then go spend it at Smith Lake on their 3,600 square yeah. foot lake house. Well, I mean, to borrow a term you always talk about, you know, you, you talk about sustainability, right? And that's, that's an important thing in your entire career has been, you know, what is the sustainability of whatever you're doing? And the community is no different. And so sustainability is going to come from that reinvestment, right? So I, I came, I had, I came, I saw, I conquered, mm -hmm. then I reinvested here, right? And I, and I put that to work in the next thing or the next thing or the next thing. And the good news is, is we're starting to see some leadership on that, right? We're starting to see some people do that. Uh, we just need more and more of it and a lot of consistency around it. I completely agree. I think that's where your legacy is. I think that's where your legacy lies is not in what you accomplish yourself, but what you boost others to accomplish. And I also think it's a way to buy youth and excitement and that fever you get when you are doing your very first startup and you have no idea what the next day is going to bring, which to me is a, is a value not only for the person that you're investing in, but as a value for you sure. yourself. Um, so in addition to retaining the talent that's already here, and this article doesn't go into it, but I'm gonna talk a little bit about also attracting talent here. And there are many schools of thought as to what makes it difficult to attract people to a town like Birmingham as opposed to a huge startup hub like Silicon Valley or Austin or even just a bigger city. Like a Nashville or an Atlanta. Exactly. Um, and I think our number one hurdle is the culture. And by the culture, I mean the regressive culture. Not only in the city, because obviously the city is the quote unquote bright blue dot in a very red state, but it's also the entire state. Birmingham and Alabama have their own branding issues, their own historical issues, and in some places that's long ago forgotten history, and in some places you could find the same sort of issues of racism and regressive politics and sexism. Yeah, so I mean, but so it's been that, and that's been going on for generations, right? I mean, right. and we've been slowly cr crawling out of that. I think some of the things I, I feel like, and you can tell me, you know, I've lived here eight years, and I feel like there's been more progress to, you know, to that end in the last two years than in the six years prior to that. And then I can only imagine prior to that, it, it's got to feel a little bit like that's accelerating under its own 
um, power now. It feels like that, and then all of a sudden you have Roy Moore as the front runner to be our next senator. Sure. And ultimately, I think we've stepped up the game a lot in terms of lifestyle culture, social culture, especially in a few scant neighborhoods around the downtown area. But ultimately, no matter how cool donut shops are or pizzerias, um, it, they're not going to be cool if I'm being persecuted for my beliefs or if I'm not able to have the freedoms I need or make my own choices. And I think that's, it's important to me and I think it's even more important to people who are younger than me. Yep. And that's not unheard of. Younger people are always more progressive than older people. And if we want to bring in and retain talented young people, I think we at the very least need to have the conversation and be mindful of the fact that it's not easy when we have a Bentley, uh, a Bentley slash Hubbard slash Roy Moore situation like we had last yep. year. And not to mention sessions and oh my God, I could go on. But it's not the most conducive environment. And it doesn't matter if you have 12 shuffleboard tables in the middle of your, your startup, it's not gonna overcome not being able to have basic equality and so Yeah, and I, and I think that it's tough. I mean, I think things like politics definitely influence the ability to attract uh, and retain talent. I, I do think, though, it's also a slippery slope where people kind of throw their hands up and go, well, it is what it is. Because I th we do have some levers that we can pull uh, within our own environments. And I go back to the point I was trying to make earlier, which is that access, right? How do we make access um, easier for underrepresented um, populations, whether it's female or it's minority or it's from out of state or it's immigrants or it's whatever the case may be, how do we take away some of these self-imposed barriers or how do we get strategic in thinking about how we take those barriers down to have a broader reach within the entrepreneurial community? Because to me, that's the kind of stuff where I don't care what the politician is, I don't care what the culture is, they respond to what that base now starts to look like. Mm -hmm. it, and, is, and if they don't wanna do it willingly, sooner or later their hand is forced. So I, I think that we actually could be to some degree the, the tail that wags the dog. Um, and as long as, as we can keep that attitude, then at least we can be kind of optimistic about what are the things that we're doing and how do we potentially you know, push that, um, that you know, progressive, you know, mentality, or at least more inclusive mentality. That's really interesting. So do you think that you would go about that within each organization? Or do you think it would be the tech community as a whole could buy into one program, you know, and each one teach one or each one bring someone in yep. who's new to the community? Well, I, I, I'll give you a very specific. So we're not just speaking philosophically, but, you know, I'll use Tech Birmingham as an example. Tech Birmingham should have a scholarship program for individuals to join Tech Birmingham where either they heavily subsidize the individual membership yep. or they go out and they get sponsors from the business community, which has been incredibly great supporters of Tech Birmingham to set up a specific sponsorship to have a scholarship program where recent high school grads, recent college grads, um, disadvantaged business owners, um, or just people in general who want to apply for either a free or heavily subsidized individual membership. Because right now they're $150. 
That's a lot of money for a 17-year-old. Yeah, it is. Right? And that's a lot of money for a college grad that's already trying to figure out how to pay back, you know, 60, 70, $80,000 in student loans. So for me, that's a very specific, practical way of getting more participation from where that talent's going to come from. And it's gonna come from those individual members who get exposed to a community and go, hey, I like this. I can do something here. I can make those connections and that, that network and do something with it. And I think to me, that's one example. So to get back to your core question, which is there's no reason why every organization can't do the same thing. That's one example of thinking strategically about taking down a barrier that was created that doesn't need to be there. Right. There's a workaround that's easy. Right. I mean, we're not talking about you know tectonic shifts here. We're, we're talking about some real basic, you know, um, strategy. So I think every organization should do that in, in, in any way, shape or form that it can. I think you make a good point, which is that it is up to all of us to attract and retain top talent. I would love to hear what you think about it. If you have ideas for how to make Birmingham a better community and a more inclusive community for startups, and especially in ways that can help attract and retain people to the community. Thanks for listening. Bye.